0: I want to talk to you about response. Is that okay? How how do you respond? What I mean by that is you've all heard the gospel, I would think. You've all heard the good news, right? You're going to hear it again this morning. You are a sinner. You're in need of a savior. Can you turn this down just a little bit? Maybe it's the monitors, maybe it's something. You're a sinner. You're in need of a Savior. Savior's Savior is Jesus Christ. And he loves you more, more, more than you could ever imagine. Right? He knows you from the inside out. He knows everything about you, right? And he loves you anyway. That's the gospel. Some of you responded to the gospel. Some of you perhaps have not responded to the gospel. You're still holding out, if you will. How do you respond? Some of you have been asked to serve in the church. You'll notice that in our bulletin from week to week, we have certain needs that we, we talk about Sunday school or we talk about somebody running the video or somebody running the audio or perhaps somebody singing up here with a worship team or providing the gifts that we, that we give. You've been asked to serve. How, how do you respond? Some of you have responded really well. Some of you are still holding out. You've been asked to serve the community, to reach out to the community. We at Hillcrest have talked over the last several months, and you'll continue to hear this, love God, love people, love by going. You've been asked to serve in the community. And some of you are doing really well by serving in the community because I see you out and about in the community, or I serve alongside you, or I hear what you've done. You're doing really well in serving the community, and some of you are are holding out. How do you respond? Some of you have been asked, all of you have been asked to invest in a small group. If you know me, if you know anything about me, you know what I believe about community. You know what I believe about relationship. I believe about community and I believe about relationship because Jesus believed in community Jesus believed in relationship. You've been asked to invest in a small group. That means that you care for one another, that you care for somebody else and allow them to care about you. You've been, asked, And some of you are really good. You've responded really well about investing in a small group. And some of you are holding out. How do you respond when you're offended by somebody that's a choice we have to make as well right when somebody offends me i have a choice to make of whether i go to that person the matthew 18 thing and i say you know you've hurt you've hurt me let's let's make amends let's let's restore let's restore this relationship let's let's get back on the right track some of you do that really not not many of you do that really well right Not many of us do that really well. We don't want to have those awkward conversations. But the fact of the matter is, is we're told to have those awkward conversations sometimes. We're told that relationship, that community, is so important. You know, those times where I've done that, where I've been offended or I've been the one who's offended somebody else and I go to that person and I try to make amends... God has blessed that, God has as awkward as that situation is and and through time God has allowed that relationship to be restored. Some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you're still holding out. You know what the word says but it's so uncomfortable that we don't ever go that route, right? Some of you have heard Sermon after sermon after sermon, and then there's that small, still voice that we call the Holy Spirit speaking to you that something needs to change, something needs to change, you need to do something, you don't need to do that. And some of you have repented and changed, and some of you are holding out. How do you respond? Some of you have received grace. Some of you have received grace. Some of you have received grace, but you're slow to give grace. You're slow to give grace. We've been talking about Jonah. Quick to receive grace, right? Slow to give grace. How do you Respond. This morning I want to talk to you about responding not just in the Easter season, not just on a Passover Sunday, a Palm Sunday, not just at a time where you feel really spiritual or really emotional, but for the entirety of our lives, how do you respond? Because you know you have choice after choice after choice after choice after choice, not just on a Sunday, not just something that's seasonal, but God loves us so much that the gospel is just as true the week after Easter as it is on Easter or the week before Easter. This This, this should change our lives. How do you respond? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, I think it's right up here. When he, when Jesus saw the crowds. You remember when Jesus was talking? People would gather around. We've talked about this in recent weeks, Hillcrest, where they would hang on every word, right? They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. I used the illustration of Jesus pulling a rabbit out of a hat, right? They wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next. You might remember that he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. They, they gathered because they wanted to see what Jesus, they'd heard about the rabbi from Nazareth who, right, who talked like nobody else talked who spoke as one with authority, right? Nobody like that. No Sadducees, no Pharisees, no other rabbi like that. They recognized there was a difference about Jesus, and Jesus began to recognize all the crowds, and I'm sure the 12 apostles recognized the same crowds, right? This text here says when Jesus saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the people gathering around, he had compassion for them. word compassion is pretty interesting. It means with with love, with, with vigor. He loved them. How do, you, how do you know what love is if, if you don't understand that, that Christ Jesus loved us, right? That's what the text says. We, this is how we know what love is, that God, God himself, God in the flesh loved us. God Had compassion for you if you've heard the gospel, if you've responded to the gospel, if you're not just a person that's trying to slide into heaven, but if you're actually a follower of Jesus Christ, right? You do as Jesus does. You have compassion. Or do you? Have you responded? He had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed. They were helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Now you've heard it before if you've not experienced it before, right? Sheep are dumb. Right? At least you've heard it. They need a shepherd... And time and time and time again throughout scripture, we're told that Jesus, Jesus Himself, says, I'm the good shepherd. The shepherd has compassion. I wonder if you have compassion for these people that we talk about for one another. Let's take it one step further. Do you have compassion for even yourself? Are you quick to forgive yourself? Here's another one from the Old Testament. Hosea chapter 11 verse 4. Do you know the story of Hosea? Hosea is an Old Testament prophet. He's one of the minor prophets. What we call a minor prophet, not because his what's well, a minor prophet, right? Not because the not because the words any less important. It's because of the length of the book, right? But Hosea is an interesting story because Hosea the prophet is told to go out and marry a prostitute. Symbolically, Hosea, the mouthpiece of God, the prophet, represents God. The prostitute represents the people of God. Let that sink in for a second. You got it? I led them with cords of kindness, the prophet says, with the bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down and I fed them. Do you hear the compassion in that verse? How do you respond? That's God speaking about us. How do you respond? How about this one from the Gospel of Luke? You guys know the story, the prodigal son, right? The The young son is arrogant enough to go to his father and say, you know I know you're not dead yet but I'm hoping you kill over here pretty quick can I go ahead and have my inheritance that's my paraphrase but you know what you know what's going on right he goes off and the word says that he squanders everything he's been giving with some crazy crazy way of living finds himself in a place where he shouldn't be and I love the phrase check me on this Luke chapter 15 check me on this phrase he says and it he came to his senses. How do you respond? He came to his senses, right? If, if you recognize the gospel, you've, you've eventually come to your senses. And he decides, you know, this place is not a place I want to be. I'm going to get back. I'm going to go back home. And maybe, maybe my father will allow me to live like one of the hired hands, right? I'm no longer a servant or no longer a slave or no longer a son. I need to go back and just live the way even the servants live. In chapter 15, verse 20, it says, and he, he being the father, he being the father, he rose and came to well he came to his father I'm sorry, he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt same word, compassion. and he ran and embraced and kissed him. You've probably heard this as well in the ancient Near East, men don't run. And yet he ran. Seeing his son far off, and he had compassion for him. How do you respond? That's the way God loves us. That's the way God loves us, and yet I wonder if we love that way as well. Those of us who've been going through Jonah, we've seen how Jonah has responded, right? In chapter 1, God's word comes to Jonah and says, get up, go to the place I have for you. This place is Nineveh, it's the Assyrians, it's a place that you don't want to go, it's the people that you don't want to go to. And I want you to call out to them and tell them to repent, change their ways, right? The message is not going to be, it's not going to go down easy, let's just say that. And Jonah goes the opposite direction, if you remember, right? He 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 buys a fare, and he goes the, the exact opposite direction of what God tells him to go. And he finds himself where? In the belly of a fish. For three days. And he prays from this fish, and God does not destroy him. He could have destroyed him. Second chance we've talked about, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. We all need those chances, right? How do you respond? And Jonah gets to a place where it's time maybe to do what God tells me to do. The fish is caused to vomit Jonah up on the land, and Jonah's given a second chance, and he goes to the Assyrians, he goes to Nineveh, and he preaches to this large city, 120,000 people. He preaches to this large city of repent, repent, repent. Sound like a easy message to take? Sound like a, let's all stop and let's all watch the baby, all right? I'll give you a break now. It's not an easy message that Jonah has to give, right? And we've talked church. Sometimes the message that we're told to give is not an easy message to give. But it's still not my message. If you were here last week, right? It's still not my message. It's still not your message. It's God's message, right? Right? And God will choose whether he gives grace to those people or not give grace to those people. Right? Now look at what it says the end of chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles open, here's what it says. In Jonah, chapter 3, the last verse, verse 10, says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their... We talked about this going one way, they shuv, they return, and they go the opposite direction. That's what the Hebrew says. When God saw what they did, how they responded, how they responded, how do you respond to what God says... You know, when God calls me on something, when you call me on something, when, when I know that there's something in my life that needs to change, what do I do? What do you do? Seriously, what do you do? You become defensive, right? Well, I never. How? Are, why are you in my office calling me on something that I should change, right? That's the way most people are. We put up a shell because we don't want to hear things in our life that, I mean, let's just be honest, right? When you call me out on something, my flesh says, I'm going to be guarded. And Jonah has the same response when God calls him out on something. And you've got to think, the Assyrians, the Ninevites probably would have the same response. But notice... Notice there, quick, just like the sailors in chapter 1. The the sailors, by the way, are the ones crying out to God, not Jonah, not the prophet. The sailors, the pagans, the unbelievers are crying out to Yahweh. Irony. Here the Assyrians, it says. When he saw how they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented on the disaster he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. That sounds like good news, right? Altar call, Billy Graham, right? You've seen the video where Billy Graham says, okay, start playing the piano, and people flock. And he says, come on, come on from the top, come on. And he, and he waits, and he waits, and there are people just flooding the aisles coming down. That's kind of the same way this happens, right? Jonah's got to be excited because he's preached the gospel message, and he said, repent, repent, repent. God will not destroy you if you turn from your wicked ways, and they do so, and Jonah's excited, right? Praise God, Jonah's excited, right? But it displeased Jonah. What? It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. You know what church, it's easy for us to gather every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every Thursday night, every time that we gather and we say, we're going to be about loving God. How do we love God? With all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. We're going to be about loving people. How do we love people? By loving people the way God loves us. We're going to be about loving by going. It's easy to say those words, right? Much harder to put those things into practice. You remember the conversation we've had about, Lord, who's my neighbor? It's easy for me to love people over at Town Creek. They're easy to love, right? Right? These two ladies right here, they're easy to love. I promise you, they're easy to love. Right? You know people like that. And then there are also people that are harder, much more difficult to love. Again, it's not my message, it's God's message. I don't get a choice of who I love and who I don't love. I don't get a choice of who my neighbor is and who my neighbor is not. God just tells me to love. God just tells me to love. God just tells me to give grace. Why would Jonah be so angry, so bitter? Why would it displease Jonah when God's message is heard? And so he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Oh, Lord, God, is this not what I said? Is this not the reason I went down, bought the fair, and went the opposite direction? Is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to go the opposite direction. This is why I was in a hurry to go different place than where you've called me to be what is jonah doing jonah's playing himself as god right jonah's going jonah is so arrogant jonah is so prideful to say i know better than god have you done that before yes you've done that before i've done that before it never turns out well jonah's honest enough here at least in the prayer to say this is exactly this is exactly this is exactly why i went the opposite direction i Jonah, are you loving your brother, Jonah? Are you good about giving grace, Jonah? You preach a message on Sunday, but how are you doing on Monday or Tuesday or wednesday or or when it's not the Easter season, Jonah? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. If you haven't picked up on this by now, Jonah is quoting scripture from the Pentateuch. He already knows in Exodus chapter 34, 6 and 7, that's exactly what Moses says. Jonah is so arrogant to quote scripture back to God describing who God is. Does that strike anybody else as strange? I know you are. I've experienced it in my life. I've seen it in the papers. I've seen it on TV. You're a gracious God. You're slow to anger. You're compassionate. We just read several verses here about God's compassion, did we not? We've all experienced that. We all want to experience that. But when it comes to loving our brother, I'm not sure we're excited about giving that to our brother, our sister, those people that are harder to love. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my, listen how much of a junior high kid this guy is. Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? If you know the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, this sounds pretty familiar, right? If you guard your heart, I mean, if, if you take care of your heart, guess what's going to happen? Um, sounds pretty similar to me. But Jonah went out of the city, and he sat down to the east of the city, He made a booth for himself. A booth is this, just a lean-to, basically a lean-to. And he sits under this this booth, right? He sits under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God, now I prayed... And I've told God why I'm not happy about what God has done. And now I'm expecting God to fulfill my every wish. Again, how arrogant, how prideful is that way of thinking? But the Lord God appointed a plan and made it come up over Jonah. Remember the fish? The fish is not just about, it's not punishment. Could we say the fish in the book of Jonah is about a time of reflection, right? It's a good time to refocus on, why are you doing what you're doing? Is this about you, Jonah, or is this about God? And eventually, after three days in the fish, you figure out, hey, it's about God, right? The fish is also a time of grace. He could have destroyed Jonah right away. And yet he didn't. Right? Here he goes out and he's arrogant enough to make a lean to, make a place where he's going to hang out and watch, in his mind, God destroy the Assyrians, God destroy the Ninevites, God destroy the pagans. That's what Jonah's hoping for. It's almost like, get him, God, get him, right? Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah. Grace, the plant is much like the fish, that it might be a shade over Jonah's head to save him from his discomfort. Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. God took care of me. He re- He responded with, God took care of me. God... God took care of me. God saved me from... Remember when he's in the seaweed, he's in the bo- he uses this, this poetry in, in chapter 2, right, where, where his life is wasting away, and the, the poetry is that he's turning in the bottom of the sea, and seaweed is wrapping around his, his throat, his neck, and he's about to die, and God offers a fish. The grace of God saves him. He offers a fish. It's the heat of the day, fast forward to chapter 4, it's the heat of the day, the sun is blaring, it's more than, it's hotter than a North Texas sun, right, in the the middle of August. And God provides a plant, another sign of grace, and it came up over Jonah, and he's quick to receive the plant. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. Why would God appoint a worm? God appointed a worm, it says, that attacked the plant so that it withered. Can I I offer this to you? Maybe the worm is to... Much like the fish, to refocus our attention, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about God, right? Anybody follow what I'm saying? God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that it was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, now here it is again, Wine, 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 wine. Anybody else, Jonah? I'm Jonah. It's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry, the plant? Yes. Yes, I do. I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. The Lord said, "Here's, here's the lesson. Listen, you pity the plant for which you did not labor. God provided the fish, God provided the plant, God provided the grace. And you've responded to that, right? You've responded to the fish somewhere in your life. You've responded to the the plant somewhere in your life. You've responded to the gospel, my prayer is, somewhere in your life. You've responded to grace somewhere in your life. Why are you so angry when somebody else responds to grace? Remember the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15? Who's the older brother? The older brother's the one sitting over there. Why are you throwing a party for them? I've been here all along. Remember the older brother? Jonah's the older brother. I'm the older brother. You're the older brother. We're quick to receive grace, church. But we're much slower about giving grace. You didn't make the plant grow, which came into being in a night, and perished in a night, and should I not pity Nineveh? That great city, not great in the sense that they were morally right, right? I mean, they're wicked. We know that. We know that from chapter 1. Great in the sense that there's a ton of people there. There are more than a hundred and twenty thousand persons who do not know their right hand from their left. Remember what we read about when Jesus had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They had no idea they were lost. And before you met Jesus, Reba, you were lost. And before you met Jesus, Christian, you were lost. Before you received the gospel, how you were lost, right? You get the idea? So what gives us the right to receive, 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 hoard, 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 and not give, give, give? The verse that he just read for us a few moments ago For God loved the world. For God so loved people like me. That's the way most of us read that, right? Right? For God so loved the world. People like me, people not like me. People in my neighborhood, people not in my neighborhood. People that look like me, people that don't look like me. People that dress like me, people that don't dress like me. People that talk like me, people that don't talk like me. For God so loved the world, the cosmos. For God so loved... Did you read the end of the t- the, the verse? Chapter 4? Even the cattle. You realize God's in the business of restoring all things? All things? What does all mean? All. That's what it means. It means all. Right? God's in the business of restoration. Why do we limit the gospel? The, the gospel is so much greater than we can ever imagine. This is the gospel even in the Old Testament book of Jonah. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. And not just you, but the entire world that he sent his son. That whosoever believes will not perish, but will have life eternal life to the full so why are you Jonah why are you angry why are you displeased why are you the older brother when you receive and you receive and you receive you respond to the gospel you respond to grace you respond to love but you're slow about anybody else responding. If we're really about loving God, church, if we're really about loving our brother, if we're really about loving by going, let us be about those things. Let us not, let us not, let us not be accused of, of hypocrisy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's be followers of Jesus Christ, be doers of the word, James says, and not just hearers of the word. Let's pray.